Good morning, North Goodland. It's uh, another week of doing church online, and it's good to be able to join with everybody, even if it is in an unconventional kind of way. Um, it's been really kind of cool to see how different people are taking advantage of having this, the sermons and the messages online, uh, seeing how some people are kind of getting together with their family and watching it all together, or being able to uh, watch it on their own time as they're able to do other things that maybe they didn't normally have time to do uh, before all this craziness started. Uh, but it's really been kind of cool to see how different people are doing it differently. And even though we're not, you know, meeting together weekly like we normally do, we're still able to be the church, even if it is in a different way. Um, I know it's been different for me. Uh, I can say at least from uh, my perspective and Pastor John's perspective, I've been also making lesson videos for the youth group uh, every Wednesday. And I'm sure Pastor John would agree that it's it's a lot different, a lot more different to talk to and, and teach to a camera than it is to actually have different faces that you can look at and see how they're interacting and being able to uh, kind of feed off that. So it's definitely a little bit different but again, um, even in these uncertain times and difficult times, it's cool to see how we're able to adjust and still live out as the church, even in a different way. So that's been really encouraging to see. Um, it's also been really encouraging to see everybody continue to give, even though we're not being in person, whether that be through the app or through the website or even mailing in uh, a gift. Uh, it's been really cool to see people still support the church uh, in these times because we as a church are still called to support, uh, whether it's within our community, helping people who have uh, needs right now, or missionaries that we have around the world that we're supporting. So even though you know things around us seem to be shutting down, we still need to be able to support uh, the community around us, the world around us, and it's been really awesome to see everybody continue to give um, in different ways. So that's been really encouraging. And then also before we get into uh, the message this morning, I just want to uh, let you guys know. I know for me, uh, one of my favorite parts of Sunday mornings is coming together and being able to worship and song together. And I know that's something that a lot of people have been missing. Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, if you're able to go to our Facebook page, uh, within the last week, TJ actually posted a link to a Spotify playlist with a bunch of different songs. Um, and in that kind of uh, way, we can kind of worship together through song. We can uh, kind of know that other people are listening to these songs, maybe not at the same time, but it's kind of cool that we can use that as a way to worship together. Um, or maybe even if you're on Facebook and you follow the Facebook link to this video, maybe in the comment section, you can post a link to a video of maybe your favorite praise song or a song that you've been listening to a lot lately. And I think it'd be really cool to kind of see us be able to interact with each other that way. Uh, so this morning, what I want to talk about is unwavering faith, both on our side and God's side, and how even in uncertain times, we can continue to have faith in God because he's faithful to us. And really, we're going to look at two main examples um, of, of men in the Bible who had unwavering faith, even in difficult times for them. And then we're also kind of, we're going to look at how God has been faithful, how we can see how he's in control. All right. And so before we go ahead and get into the message, I just want to open up with a word of prayer and then we'll go ahead and get into the word. Dear God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for allowing us to be able to come together, even in a different way, to go into your word together. And I just pray that as we go through your word this morning, that we would be able to open our hearts uh, to what you have and kind of figure out a way that how we can take this and apply it to our life 
and be able to be a witness to people um, and be able to point people towards you in these uncertain times and, and be an example to them of how, yes, things are kind of crazy around us right now, but we don't need to really worry about anything because we know that you are ultimately in control. So I just pray that as we uh, go through your word this morning that we keep that um, in our mind and uh, we kind of, as we go through uh, the message this morning, think, start to think of ways that we can be an example to those around us. So I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So, like I said this morning, we're going to look at a couple examples of men in the Bible who had unwavering faith, even in difficult times. The first that we're going to look at is one that probably everybody would guess uh, when you think of somebody going through a difficult time and remaining faithful to God, and that would be Job, right? Job is probably the first person a lot of people would think about. Um, he's kind of, you know, he's the prime example of somebody who went through difficult times. And it's kind of encouraging to see his reaction to his difficult circumstances and be able to say, yes, everything is crazy around me right now. Um, things are kind of being taken away and not being able to meet together with people at church like I would like to, not being able to go and do other activities that I would like to be able to do. Um, but all of that being taken away from us isn't nearly as as insane and as as crazy as what Job went through. And so we're going to look at Job first, and then in a little bit, we're going to look at Paul. And really what I want to focus on is not necessarily just their response, but how they responded, how quickly they responded, and uh, be able to take that as an example for us to live each and every day. And then also just a reminder of how much we know that God is in control. We're going to look at that as well. So in Job, we're going to be in Job chapter 1, verses 12 through 22. And uh, just to kind of set it up, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this passage, know this book, know this story. But just to kind of set it up, uh, Job was really a great example of somebody who was faithful to God, who praised God, worshipped him. And God kind of used him as an example. And Satan basically said, well, the only reason he's so faithful to you and continue to worship you is because he has so many nice things. His life is so good. And so God basically gave Job or gave Satan permission to interfere with Job's life, to kind of uh, do really whatever he wanted to do aside from harming Job, aside from killing Job, and see that Job is still going to be faithful to God. So again, we're going to be in uh, Job chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 12 through 22. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine, thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. 
The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. <clears throat> so, uh, before we kind of break down what we just read, the kind of big question that I want to present to us is how should we react in times like these? As Christians, how should we react to all this that's going on around us, right? And that's a question that a lot of people have been asking, a lot of people have been uh, trying to give their answer to. Uh, obviously, the quick answer is to trust in God because we know he's in control, right? Stay faithful to him because he's been faithful to us. But what does that look like? And that's really what we're going to be looking at Job and in Paul's life as well. And so in that passage that we just read, we see that Job lost everything. And this isn't really everything that we know that Job, Job goes through, but he lost everything, right? All these people, they continue to come to him. As one person is explaining what just happened, another person comes and says, this horrible thing happened. And this keeps happening one after another. And all of this happens so fast. He loses all these things so fast and so quickly. Um, but we see that he immediately praises God, right? In verses 20 through 22, we see that he rose, he rent his mantle, shaved his head. This is him expressing his grief. So yes, he is upset. He's saddened about what is happening. But right after that, in verse 20, it says he fell down upon the ground and worshiped. So yes, he, he, he is sad. He is upset of, of what's going on. But even in that, that grief that he's dealing with, he still finds a way to worship God. And he acknowledges that all those things, even though he did love them, he cherished them, whether it was his children, his, uh, his possessions, whatever it is, he, did, he, he appreciated those, but he realizes that his relationship with God is not only the most important thing, but really the only thing that really matters to him, right? He really ex acknowledges that all those other things are just something on top, just extra, right? He says, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he recognizes I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. The only thing that matters is my relationship with God. And so even in that difficult time, he was able to praise God. But two main things I want to focus on. In verse 22, it says that in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Right? He sinned not. So basically, even in all this craziness that's going on with him, he still lived for God. He lived how God wanted him to live. He sinned not. And he did not charge God foolishly. He didn't blame God for everything that was going on. He took it as an opportunity to say, yes, all those things were great. I'm, I'm extremely upset. Right? He showed that grief by uh, renting his mantle, shaving his head. But he was still able to praise God in that. He recognized that that was the only thing that was important to him. And so as we are dealing with a difficult time, right, we already kind of talked about how even what we're going through isn't nearly what Job went through. And he was still able to praise God and all that. So we need to remember to continue to give God praise and continue to give him glory because we know that he's in control. Right. We know that Job acknowledged that he's in control in verse 21. It's, he said that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows that everything that he had came from God, right? So he knows that God is in control of everything. He knows that God's in control of his life. That's why even in this, he's still able to praise God. All right, so that's what I want to pull away from Job. Now we're going to look at Paul. And uh, with Paul's story, we're not going to read through the whole story because it's, it's pretty lengthy. And uh, I know Pastor John's been trying to keep these videos short for everyone um, so that it's not something that is really kind of taken up a, a big portion of our day and we're still able to come together, go into the word, uh, kind of grow closer to God and still be able to uh, accomplish other tasks throughout the day. But if you want to take the time on your own, I encourage you to. 
Uh, read Acts chapter 27 and 28. That's where the story that we're talking about comes from. And uh, this is probably a familiar passage to some people. This is uh, Paul. He's on his way to Rome. He's as a, he's a prisoner going to Rome, um, appealing to Caesar. And in this passage, he as he's traveling, uh, he's shipwrecked. And a lot of things kind of transpire from there. But that's basically what's going on. So again, I encourage you to read through these two uh, chapters uh, on your own. But there's a few things that I want to kind of focus on as we look at Paul's story real quick. And the first thing is in uh, Acts chapter 28. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Acts 28, 3 through 5. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffer, suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. So first of all, just kind of think about what's going on. They just were shipwrecked, right? And so they're all kind of, they're, they're thankful, obviously, that they were able to survive the shipwreck. And these people that witnessed Paul being bit by the snake, they say, he must really be a bad guy, right? Because he, he went through the shipwreck, somehow he was able to survive. And so God was making sure that he was definitely taking care of him because he made it through the shipwreck. So now we're going to have the snake bite him. He must really be a bad guy. That's what these guys are basically saying. But as we look in verse five, we see Paul's reaction. It says, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. So the snake, he just survives a shipwreck. He's ashore. He's, you know, they're trying to gather themselves. They're trying to get things going. He's trying to start, uh, start to help start a fire and he gets bit by a snake verse 5 says that he shakes the beast off into the fire and he felt no harm so it's really kind of funny to me paul's reaction to what's happening is that this really doesn't phase him at all right and if you were to continue to read through uh, chapter 28 uh, you see that he goes on to continue to to share the gospel in every situation that comes his way. He takes advantage of every opportunity to be able to share the gospel, even though all this craziness has happened to him. So again, he, he's on his way to, to Rome as a prisoner. Um, and eventually, as you read through the end of chapter 28, he eventually is confined for two years. And that's where he's kind of, you know, it, it, it's not really a normal prison that he's in. Uh, he's kind of in like his own kind of house. It's almost like a, a house arrest that he's kind of dealing with, but he's there for two years. And in the end of uh, chapter 28, I'm actually going to read it there in verse 30 and 31. It says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. <clears throat> and even between the time when he's bitten by the snake and, and that point when he's in that house, we see other opportunities when he, where he's able to share the gospel with people. So we already know a lot of the different things that Paul's dealt with in his ministry up until this point. All the different trials and, and tribulations that he's dealt with, all the, the setbacks that he was, was handed. And even through all those, he fought through all those, continued to try to share the gospel with everybody. So no matter what his circumstance was, he was still able to find a way to share the gospel with people because he knew that's what he was called to do. And as you read through it, you know, after after the shipwreck, after being bit by a snake, there's no point when he kind of takes a step back and be like, all right, I need to kind of figure out if this is something I want to keep doing. All these horrible things keep happening. Should I continue through with this mission? It isn't even something that he gives a thought to. He just continues right on. All those things are just things that, are try that Satan's throwing at him to try and slow him down. And he just powers right through them and continues on with the mission. 
All right, so it's really kind of encouraging to me to see that Paul, in no matter what he was being dealt with, that there wasn't even a time when he kind of questions God's plan for him, God's mission that he's given to him. And we know as Christians that we're given the mission to, to share the gospel with the world, make disciples of people. And we say, well, how are we supposed to do that if we're not able to be around people? Well, we're meeting together right now over the internet and we're able to do things, in, again, in different ways, things that we're gonna have to make adjustments to, things we're gonna have to change uh, how we normally do things, but we can become creative, we can find different ways to continue and continue forward with the missions God had given us. We don't have any suits. Paul was shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, and he just kept right on going, didn't even hesitate. And so we can do the same thing. All right, so now as we've kind of looked at these two guys' reactions to um, difficult times and how they continue to stay faithful to God, now we're gonna be able to see an example of how we know that God is in control, how we can see that God is, is faithful. And we can literally go anywhere in the Bible and we can see examples of that. Um, but one example that um, I was able to kind of be reminded of recently uh, in one of the recent uh, Wednesday night lessons for the youth group, uh, kind of referenced really just kind of shortly referenced uh, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. And so that's where uh, all this information comes from. If you want to take the time to read through that, uh, I encourage you to do that as well. Um, reminding you also that you are reading through genealogy. So it's just a bunch of this guy beget this one and on and on and on like that. So it can seem kind of repetitive. Um, so I can guarantee you it's probably uh, a little bit more tedious to listen to me read it to it, read it to you than for you to read it yourself. But it is important to be able to read those uh, because as we're going to see in all kinds of crazy situations, God was still in control. His plan was still fulfilled. And the plan that we're referencing is the Messiah that was foretold in the Old Testament. The Messiah that was prophesied was going to come. And so as we look at the genealogy of Jesus, there's four main people that I want to draw attention to and how their story that themselves, the story that they lived, uh, if we were to go back and read about them, is a crazy story and how all those crazy stories come together to build up the genealogy of Jesus, Jesus' family tree, and then the Messiah comes and fulfills the prophecy. The first person that, if you read through the genealogy of Jesus, is Rahab. Now, Rahab, we know from back, she was uh, the one, in, the, the prostitute from Jericho who helped really in capturing Jericho, right? She helped uh, protect the two Israel men, the Israelite men. Um, and then she also, and because of that, she was spared when Jericho was taken. So she helped in that. And I mean, you, you think about that, right? She was a prostitute. She lived in the city that God wanted the Israelites to capture, but he spared her and as we find out later on, she's part of the genealogy of Jesus. She was faithful to a God that she didn't really even know. She wanted to help these men. She helped protect them and she was spared because of that. Now the next person that I want to kind of point to in the genealogy of Jesus is actually very closely related to Rahab and that is Ruth. Uh, if you read through the book of Ruth, it's a really great story actually. Um, we know that Ruth, she came from Moab, uh, her, her family, that we know about uh, came from Israel and uh, her husband that she married, he died and basically she goes back to Israel with her mother-in-law. She leaves the home that she knew uh, with the gods that she knew and she went to go uh, live, live with her mother-in-law, uh, serve her God um, and she stayed faithful to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law Naomi. But the man that she marries is Boaz. And if you go back through and you read through the genealogies, Boaz is actually the son of Rahab. 
So that's really cool to see the connection there from Rahab, because we know that story. And I'm sure a lot of us know the story of Ruth as well. But to see the connection there alone, that's a really cool connection. Um, so God was able to use Rahab in her situation. God was able to use Ruth, who was from a different country, from a different area, a different background. He was able to use her in the genealogy of Christ. Um, the third person that I want to look at is one that we all know, that we're very familiar with being in the, in the family of, Dave, of Jesus, and that is David, right? And the reason I think that David is some, someone to kind of look at is if you read David's story, uh, when Samuel was going to find the new king of Israel, he goes to David's father, Jesse, and he says that he's called to find the next king of Israel. And Jesse brings out all of his sons except David. David is still out in the field. And basically, as you read through that story, David is the last choice, really, of Jesse and Samuel, the, last the least obvious choice of who's going to be the next king. And God was able to use him to be king and also be in the line of Jesus. And then finally, Solomon, right, the son of David. But he was the son of David and Bathsheba. And we know the story of David and, and David and Bathsheba and that David had Bathsheba's husband killed in battle so that he could then be with her. Right? That seems like something that we know that that's not of God, right? That isn't what God wanted to have happen. But God was able to use that and use Solomon. And from Solomon, we eventually get to Jesus. So we know that God used all these people, all their crazy stories, even in some cases them doing things that isn't something God would want them to do. He was able to use that crazy story, that crazy situation to fulfill his prophecy of the Messiah, to bring the Messiah to the, to the world so that we can all be saved. And so, again, that's just one little example, but it's really cool to kind of see how from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, you can see God's story. You can see him, all, his hand in everything. And even just in, in the family tree of Jesus, you can see how that's something that only God can do. And so we know that God is in control there. We know that God is in control in Job's life and Paul's life. And we know that God is in control in our lives. And I'm sure all of us can think back to a time in our life when things were uncertain. We didn't know what to do. And God guided us through that. We, we can look back now and see how God was in control, how God used each circumstance. And so this is just another different circumstance that we're dealing with now. So as we're going through these difficult times, as we're going through these uncertain times, as Christians, we should stay faithful to God because we know he's been faithful to us. And in that, we can be an example to others around us. We can show people that even as things are going crazy, we're not really worried because we know that God is in control. Now, there are going to be times when maybe we do slip up, we do worry, we do fret, and uh, maybe doubt sometimes that God's in control. But I encourage everyone to kind of look back at even just the passages we looked at, or maybe think back in your own life to another time when God was in control and it didn't make any sense at the time. But you can look back now and see how God is in control. So that's what I want to kind of encourage us all with right now, um, really to just continue to stay faithful to God because he's always been faithful to us. He's always been faithful throughout of all of eternity. And we know that he, he is faithful and we can be that light to point others to Christ. So I, again, thank you for uh, joining us this morning. And I just want to encourage you to, as you go throughout the week, um, if you come in contact with anybody, if you're at the store or maybe uh, picking up groceries for somebody else, that you can be that light that points others to Jesus. So I thank you. And I just want to close in, in, in a word of prayer and, uh, and then we'll finish up. Pray God. Uh, I just thank you for, uh, again, this time, and I thank you for what we read this morning um, in Job's life. 
in Paul's life and in, even in, in the, the family of Jesus, how you were able to just always be in control, God. And I just pray that we can follow after the example of Job and of Paul and just not even, even think about losing faith in you. Just continue forward in, in the mission that you've given us. Maybe we have to find different uh, creative ways to do that. Uh, but I just pray that you would uh, reveal those ways to us, that you would help us to uh, just be maybe an encouragement to others who are struggling right now, and that you would just open our, our eyes to opportunities that we can have uh, to share you with other people. So I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I thank you for joining us this morning, and I just pray that you have a good day and a good week.